from the HBP studio. You're listening to the 84th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast. HBP, I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we don't want to lose your love in Baltimore. Try to survive a Juan Soto earthquake with the San Diego Padres. Hear that the Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets want to see other people. And Vince Scully reminds us that it's always time for Los Angeles Dodgers baseball. And it's always a good time to drink because it's 5 o'clock somewhere. And in my hand, I have a delicious drink. This week, I'm throwing you a curveball. I have a mead. It's called Out of Left Field, which is a draft mead with orange from Charm City Mead Works in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm going to have a swig. I love the can. It's about it's like all these oranges and bees. There's B Robinson, obviously Jackie Robinson's bee cousin. <laughs> it's very I really like the design. I have no idea who created it, but it's very cool. And if you remember, I've only drank mead one other time, and that was way back in episode 13. We're now back. We're now in episode 84. Mead means fermented honey drink. And mead, which is what I'm drinking right now, and what Charm City Mead Works offers you, mead is what the Danish warriors, the Viking berserkers, those crazy people that took over all of Europe, or not took over, but terrorized Europe. Mead is the drink that those Danish warriors would have in that high school poem that you barely remember reading. You had to read in high school, Beowulf. You remember that? The half beast, half human whatever it was and it was like what it was written Beowulf was written I think in the in the 900s in like Germanic language we can't read today anyways the Danish warriors that were hunting Beowulf or were, were drinking mead I don't know I've had a lot of this stuff it's delicious and obviously that that sounds very violent the Danish warriors mead Beowulf but for the west coast people the west coast is the best coast This, out of left field, is also gluten-free, so you don't have to worry about ruining your diet if you drink some delicious mead from from Charm City Brewery. And also, this Charm City Mead Works is a great spot right by Penn Station in Baltimore. And if you remember, back in episode 81, I told you, you can bring your own mead or alcohol or champagne or whatever you want. On the train, on Amtrak, on the Acela in in the U.S. Or you can also bring drinks in Great Britain on the train or on the continent in Europe on the train. You don't have to worry about anything here in the U.S. You don't have to worry about putting up with a TSA BS of like, Sir, you can't bring that 1.7 hand sanitizer onto the plane. You're going to have to dispose of it. Shut up. DSA agent, instead of taking a flight, I'm going to take a train because I'm going to pass by Charm City Meatworks right before I take my Acela, Amtrak, Mark train, or whatever other trains that there are in the Baltimore area and drink my delicious out of left field meadery and feel like a true Danish warrior saving civilization from her d- demonic animals living in the Danish that motorcycle also is feeling very powerful, as I am right as well. <laughs> also, this Mead Works is really close to Camden Yard. So if you're ever in Baltimore to see the Baltimore Orioles or your favorite team, 
check out this place because it's, I think it's like two miles away from uh, Camden Yards for an Orioles game. And shout out to Austin and Jason, who were one of the one of the two guys that run that place. Cheers to you guys. I've been enjoying this all day. And Out of Left Field also reminds me of a great song, a great 80s song. You know how much I love 80s. Your Love by The Outfield. You know that song because they play it all the time on the radio or on your favorite streaming device, streaming device, streaming service, when you choose an 80s playlist. I don't want to lose your love tonight. You know that song, but did you know that The Outfield is actually an English rock band? They were really popular in the U.S. in the 80s, but they actually never became popular in England, which is kind of crazy. And earlier, their earlier name was not The Outfield. Their first name was called The Baseball Boys. So you had a bunch of English dudes living in the island of Great Britain who actually liked baseball. They liked the spectacle of it, the pageantry of all that. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. No, not hilarious. Very interesting. And what's also interesting is that you can lose your love for a partner. You can use, you can lose your love for a job. Or you can use your love for one of our social media accounts. Because we're on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040. HBP4040. And we're on Instagram. Hipster Baseball Podcast. Give us a follow or lose your love. And don't follow us. That's not a big deal. But you know what? Who's loving life? I'm loving life. Who's not loving life? Maybe the Washington Nationals. But the San Diego Padres are also loving life because right now they're in second place in the National League West. 61 wins, 49 losses. But they're 14 and a half games behind the monstrous LA Dodgers. But they just traded for Juan freaking Soto. And first baseman, Josh Bell. The Padres gave up Luke Voigt, and four or five young players, mostly prospects. Let's say five young players. Let's say the Washington Post headline is Juan Soto is given away for free by the Washington Nationals. Let's say that the San Diego Union Tribune headline is Juan Soto traded for free. Not, I am not demeaning the, the young men that were traded from San Diego. But let's be real. This is Juan Soto, the left fielder for the Washington Nationals. This year, he has an OPS plus of 161. Again, OPS plus, your average player is 100. This guy's 50% better than an average player. He was an all-star this year. He's already won the World Series back in 2019. He was a big part of that Washington Nationals victory back in 2019. This Juan Soto is without a doubt the greatest 23-year-old player ever traded. Take this. Babe Ruth was traded when he was 24 years old from the Boston Red Sox to the New York Yankees back in 1919. And back then, Babe Ruth was sent from the Red Sox to the Yankees for today's inflation-adjusted equivalent of $1.8 million. (laughs) Can you imagine saying... I want Babe Ruth, and I'm willing to pay $1.8 million for him. That's exactly what the New York Yankees paid for Babe Ruth back in 1919. And you might say, well, yeah, he's 23 years old, but he's an average and a below-average defender. Look, the Nationals are, along with the Oakland Athletics, the two worst teams in the league this year. Put yourself in Juan Soto's shoes, or Juan Soto's cleats. You're on, 
arguably the worst team in the league. You're having problems with management. And you expect me to bust my hump, potentially tearing an ACL, breaking an ankle for an organization that I may not be with. I'm not going to go all out for defense. You know, no one would blame you. No one's going to blame you. In baseball, in not baseball, in sports, whether you're playing soccer, football, basketball, you can't just be like, hey, here's my two-week notice. I'm out of here. I'm going to coast for these next two weeks. <laughs> that doesn't happen because the Washington Nationals traded away Juan Soto. Why would any team, forget about the Nationals, why would any team trade away a 23-year-old player who's on a Hall of Fame track? Because the Nationals... If you look at it through one way, the Nationals did right because they offered Juan Soto three different contract options. The last one, which is the one that came out publicly, they offered him a 15-year, 15-year contract worth $440 million. That, that's so much money, it's almost unfathomable. But we're talking about baseball. You always have to put things in context. What, they were, what the Nationals were actually offering him were, was $29 million a year which would only have been the 20th highest player in Major League Baseball. And Juan Soto is better than only the 20th player. Not only. He's better than the 20th baseball player. His former teammates, guys that he won the World Series with back in 2019, are already making more than him. Right now, Max Scherzer, the absolute phenom. Not, he's not the phenom. He's an animal. Max Scherzer, the pitcher, now with the New York Mets. He's making $43 million. Max Scherzer is about 38 years old. Again, Juan Soto is 23 years old. The LA Dodgers third baseman and Juan Soto's former teammate, Anthony Rendon, he's injured, but nevertheless, Anthony Rendon is making an average of $35 million a year. No one, no matter how drunk you are, no matter how much you feel like a Danish warrior drinking mead, would argue that Anthony Rendon is more valuable and a better player than Juan Soto. So why in the world is Anthony Rendon making $35 million a year, but Juan Soto would potentially be making $29 million a year? That doesn't make any sense. It's like me ask, that's like me offering you to be part of the HBP bullpen, the research team, and saying, hey, I'm going to give you $100 million contract spread out over 100 million years for an annual average salary of a dollar. I mean, really? Everyone's like, oh... This famous baseball player, he's, he, he thinks he's so good that he just turned down $440, $440 million. But once you put it into the context, you're like, this is the same type of nonsense that the Washington Nationals pooled with right fielder Bryce Harper back in 2019. Because if you remember, Bryce Harper was with the Nationals. He was drafted by the Nationals back in, I think it was 2015. And he, for a few years, they were like, is Bryce Harper going to resign? Bryce Harper is going to become a free agent. And finally, in the offseason of 2019, they offered the Nationals offered Bryce Harper a contract worth 10 years, worth $300 million. That's more money than 99% of Americans will ever see in their life. But check this out. This is simple math. 300, 300 divided by 10 is 30. Theoretically, the Nationals were going to be playing, playing. The Nationals were going to be paying Bryce Harper $30 million a year. That's not the case. Because the Nationals contract had so much deferred money. They were saying, this is the contract, but $100 million of it is going to be deferred. Basically, the Nationals would have been paying Bryce Harper until he was 60 years old. 
Again, do you, listener, want to take my offer of a $100 million contract spread out over 100 million years? <laughs> You're not going to even be alive. So, of course, Bryce Harper rejected that off that final offer from the Washington Nationals because of Washington. It, it's like I've noticed I've really come to this conclusion in the past week, genuinely the past week, that baseball is very much a kabuki. It's like a Japanese play where everyone has to do stuff to make it seem okay in the sense of the Washington Nationals had to offer this 15-year, $440 million contract knowing full well that Juan Soto and his team were going to reject it. Three years earlier, back in 2019, the Washington Nationals offered Bryce Harper a 10-year, $300 million contract, knowing full well that Bryce Harper would reject it because of the ridiculous amount of deferred money. And remember, every time a batter gets plunked by a pitcher, gets hit by a pitcher in a, in a, in a suspicious way, the be- all the benches have to clear. Everyone has to go on the field, pointing, shouting, probably yelling obscenities. The guys, the the relief pitchers, the relief pitchers in the bullpen have to leave the bullpen area and and just jog so very slowly across the outfield into the infield and like, all right, they're just jogging. Okay, yeah, we have to be here because we have to be here for the team. We got to be here for our guy. It's all a kabuki dance. You don't actually want to go fight people. Like, what is this nonsense of? Baseball's kabuki dance. I don't know. And the Washington Nationals play the kabuki role as well as anybody. In the end, Bryce Harper signed with the Philadelphia Phillies. And he's going to be there until the end of his career probably. In the end, Juan Soto was traded away from the Washington Nationals last week to the San Diego Padres. Why else would a future Hall of Famer, potential future Hall of Famer, be traded away? You have to remember, on the other side of this are the San Diego Padres. And their general manager, A.J. Preller, he's in the hot seat. A.J. Preller has been the general manager of the San Diego Padres since 2014. Since he's become the full-time general manager, the Padres have had one, one winning season, and that was in in the COVID-shortened season of 2020. If I'm in my job for seven years and I've only done something good for for one year, I'm lucky I still have a job, okay? Check this out. A.J. Preller, one winning season in the past seven years. Last year in 2021, he was promoted from general manager to president of baseball operations. <laughs> we should all be so lucky to fail upwards. And the third reason was the Washington Nationals didn't want to pay the, the Juan Soto. The Washington Nationals, as we had said a few episodes ago, are going to be sold. The Lerner family who owns Washington Nationals, they're going to sell the team. They don't want the, the new owners don't want to be extending Juan Soto because the Washington Nationals are a terrible team right now with very, very little talent. A.J. Preller, who runs baseball operations for San Diego Padres, he's in the hot seat. And also, A.J. Preller is no dummy. He did this move to keep Juan Soto away from the L.A. Dodgers. Because the LA Dodgers were one of the three teams that were really in the mix to trade for Juan Soto. And that those three teams were the St. Louis Cardinals, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the San Diego Padres. So in that case, hat tip to you, Mr. Preller. Cheers to you for doing this deal of giving up young prospects for a potential future Hall of Famer. And making a big enough splash where everyone's really excited about the San Diego Padres. Very, very smart. 
And who else did the Padres get? Who else did AJ Preller go out and get? Like I said earlier, it's not just Juan Soto, it's uh, Josh Bell. In 2022, he's having his best season in all of the seven seasons as he's had, as he's been a professional baseball player. His OPS plus is 154, and he's an upgrade over the former first baseman of the San Diego Padres, Eric Hosmer. Originally, Eric Hosmer was part of that trade package to go to Washington, and Eric Hosmer had a no-trade clause, and he's like, hell no, I'm going to the Washington Nationals. Eric Hosmer is no dummy. Eric Hosmer won a World Series with the Kansas City Royals back in 2015. Eric Hosmer has played in two World Series. Eric Hosmer signed with the San Diego Padres, I think like three years ago, to go back to the World Series. He's not looking to be part of some garbage organization. He was very smart about it, and he said, I'm not going to the Nationals, and he ended up getting he ended up getting traded to the Boston Red Sox so that have a better-looking future than the Washington Nationals. So cheers to you, Mr. Hosmer. And the reality is that the Nationals aren't going to know what they actually received for about three years until these prospects start potentially moving up the minor league systems. One guy I've always really liked is the, the now former San Diego Padre left-handed pitcher, now Washington Nationals, Mackenzie Gore. He's had he's had an okay year. He's come back basically because he played in he pitched in 16 games. He had a 4.5 ERA, but he's right now he's on the injured list with a with elbow inflammation. Which if the Nationals were smart, which I think they still are, even though it's a bad organization, they're going to just leave him on the injured list until the end of the year and just say, you know what, Mackenzie Gore, just recover from, from the elbow inflammation, come back in February for spring training in 2023, and we'll. Hit the reset button, basically. Also, another really exciting player that the Nationals got were, was is shortstop C.J. Abrams. When he was playing with the San Diego Padres, he was struggling to replace Fernando Tatis Jr. because Fernando Tatis Jr. has been out with an injury. But C.J. Abrams is only 21 years old. And the Nationals now put C.J. Abrams with their minor league team, the AAA, just one level away from the majors, the AAA Rochester Red Wings. C.J. Abrams, I think he had a total of like 40 games in all the minor leagues above high A. And then the Padres said, hey, we need you in the majors. C.J. Abrams struggled mightily with the San Diego Padres because he's barely had any seasoning in the minor leagues. And so the Washington Nationals are like, you know what? We're, we're going to slow play this. We're going to let you just marinate, get your at-bats, and let you get better in the minor leagues. And then way down the line, as part of this trade, the Washington Nationals received 20-year-old 20 20 outfielder Robert Hassel III. Very fancy name. And they assigned him to high A, Wilmington Blue Rocks, which is in Delaware, actually. And I hear nothing but rave, but rave, rave reviews about Rob, Robert Hassel III. But again, you're talking about a young 20-year-old man who's three levels away from Major League Baseball. And lastly... I'm not going to go through every one that the Nationals received, but the last guy that I'm really interested in is 19-year-old outfielder James Wood. James Wood is six foot seven inches. This guy, this guy should be a power forward for the Miami Heat. <laughs> if you go look up James Wood, outfielder, Washington Nationals, his body hasn't even filled out yet. He's 19 years old. Right now, the Nationals assigned him to their low-A team, the Fredericksburg Nationals in Virginia. 
in his first game with the with the Fredericksburg Nationals, he homered. And James Wood, he's originally from Maryland, so he's not too far away from that from the Washington Nationals area, anyway. So he's kind of like a local kid. So if he ever makes it up to to the to the major leagues with the Washington Nationals, I'm sure they're gonna love him. But it's insane. This this guy's oh, it's like almost with a, with the Pittsburgh Pirates shortstop O'Neill Cruz, who's also I think six foot seven. If you, of course you have Judge Air, uh, Judge Air, and what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me is I've had too much of this Danish warrior drink, Meadery, Mead. Aaron Judge, the alpha, the right fielder for the New York Yankees, he's like seven foot ten. No, I'm joking. He's like six foot eight, but he's a giant. And it's almost like guys like Aaron Judge, guys like O'Neill Cruz, a young player like James Wood, they could basically be elite tight ends in the National Football League, but because of maybe their passion, maybe of their concern of health of getting concussions in in playing football they're like you know what baseball sounds real nice to me and best of luck to james wood go check out hit go check out on twitter on the internet a couple of highlights of james wood he is a huge dude and i can't imagine what he's going to look like in two or three years so if you're in the dc area if you travel to the dc area and you're a baseball fan check out the kids because it's Going to a minor league baseball game is cheaper than going to a Nationals game. And the level of baseball is probably going to be the same. <laughs> because the Nationals are going to suck over the next two or three years. My prediction for the Nationals 2023 slogan when they send out the season tickets. Because everyone always sends out, all the baseball teams send out season ticket slogans of, like, this is the year to do X, Y, and Z. My prediction for the Washington Nationals 2023 slogan to season ticket holders or potential season ticket buyers is going to be, come watch the kids. Come watch the kids. By the way, this free prediction is 100% guaranteed or your money back. So again, I'm happy for AJ Preller and the San Diego Padres fans for keeping Juan Soto away from the LA Dodgers. Also, away from the St. Louis Cardinals because... They're all in the National League, and so eventually they all find each other in the playoffs. And think about this monstrosity Padres lineup. Their first four batters, and in the ideal lineup for the San Diego Padres, their first four batters will be Jerickson Profar, Profar, left fielder, Juan Soto, right fielder, Fernando Tatis Jr. when he comes back, because right now Fernando Tatis Jr., he's rehabbing with the double A with the San Diego Padres double A team, the San Antonio Missions. Again, if you remember, Fernando Tatis Jr. broke his wrist when he fell off a bike in the Dominican Republic in the offseason. The fourth batter, Manny Machado, third baseman. Oh, and don't forget Josh Bell, Jake Cronenworth, and the other guys are not an easy out either. Brandon Drury. The only batter in the San Diego Padres that I would be concerned about is Trent Grisham. He has, a, he has a 195 batting average. Not very good. And in the introductory press conference, Juan Soto to the San Diego people and the media, he said, quote, I wish good luck to the other pitchers, end quote. And this weekend, there was a Padres and Dodgers series. Right now, the Dodgers are in first place in the National League West. They have the best record in Major League Baseball, 74 wins, only 33 losses, the Dodgers have the best run differential in all the Major League Baseball at plus 222. 222. 
What about the New York Yankees? What about the New York Yankees? I said what I said. Who has the best record? Who has the best run differential? That's L.A. <laughs> when you compare the lineup between the Dodgers and the Padres, the Dodgers' top lineup, their top three guys are Mookie Betts, phenomenal. Trey Turner, former Washington National, phenomenal. Freddie Freeman, former Atlanta Brave, phenomenal. And then there's a drop-off. Then you got Chris Taylor. You have Will Smith. They're good. But Chris Taylor is not Manny Machado good. Will Smith is good, but he's not Josh Bell good. But at the same time, the Dodgers won the first two games this weekend, 8-1 and 8-3. And that's not even close. Now that the San Diego Padres have Juan Soto, now that Fernando Tatis Jr. is on track to rejoin the San Diego Padres probably by the end of August, the Padres are going to be muscled up and it's going to, and I'm, look, the Padres are not going to chase down the Dodgers and make up 14 and a half games in two months. That's not going to happen. But in the playoffs, I don't know what's going to happen. And the last question I'll leave you with is what's the next arms race in Southern California? Because this race of Juan Soto was won by the San Diego Padres. The next race is going to be who signs the all solar system. Los Angeles Angels player, Shohei Otani. The Angels aren't going anywhere this year. They're not going anywhere next year. They will have to get rid of Otani. That sounds terrible. You're going to have to get rid of one of the greatest players in the, in the last 100 years who's a phenomenal all-star pitcher and an all-star batter. I can't even begin to think of where Otani would go. But I'm pretty sure he's going to stay on the West Coast. And I'm pretty sure he's going to go to a team that is perennially in the playoffs. And one of those, and two of those teams on the West Coast are the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. Juan Soto turned out a massive contract, but even without those four hundred forty million dollars riches, he still can afford to buy at this week's show sponsor, DW Sports Store. Big for brands, big for choice, big for value. Up to seventy percent off. Up to 70% off of major sportswear like Nike, Adidas, LCS, and Puma. Head down to your local DW Sports Store now for massive savings on clothing, footwear, replica jerseys, and sports equipment. DW Sports Store. Big for brands. Big for choice. Big for value. And maybe at DW Sports Store you could also buy an album. I don't know what they do. From the baseball-loving 80s English band, The Outfield. <laughs> and from way outfield, about a few months ago, that's where the Atlanta Braves were, in the National League East Division. And they came back with that insane 14-game win streak to start closing down on the New York Mets. Because right now, the Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets are the top two teams in the National League East Division. The Braves are five and a half games ahead of the Braves. The Bra- what am I talking about? The Mets are five and a half games ahead of the Braves. (laughs) And the New York Mets have the second best record in the National League behind the LA Dodgers. And right now, they've played one, two, three, four, five games in only four days. They've played five games from Thursday, the 4th of August, until Sunday, the 7th of August. I would have gotten sick to my stomach having to see the same team Every single day. 
Normal baseball series are three games, maybe four games. This series is five games. And there was a doubleheader on Saturday that the New York Mets swept, which is insane. I'd be like, I'm sick of you. Get out of my face. Go to the other side of the apartment. Go to the other side of the house. Go rent a hotel room. Just get out of here. I need my space. (laughs) And the New York Mets, they won three of the first four games. That's a huge statement, I think, especially in the New York Mets clubhouse. Because everyone, they've been mumbling. They've been mumbling about this. Like, well, you know, everyone knows the Braves are going to come back and take over the division and win the division again for the fifth straight season. The Braves are going to chase down the Mets. The New York Mets are going to do Mets things and just mess this up. I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, but this is a different New York Mets team. They're playing smart baseball, which is what you would expect from a Buck Walter managed team. And they're better than last year. Last year, they famously set their record. They set that record of most days in first place without winning the division. <laughs> I think it was like over 100 the Mets were in first place in the National League East Division for over 100 days in 2021. They didn't win the division, and they didn't even make the playoffs. <laughs> but I'm telling you, the, I don't think the Mets are going to Mets it up this year. First off, they have an improved Francisco Lindor. Their awesome Puerto Rican shortstop, Francisco Lindor. Last year, he struggled. It was his first year out of Cleveland. Obviously, he was with the Cleveland Indians, now called the Cleveland Guardians, but he was with the Cleveland Indians. He signed with the Mets for that humongous 10-year, $341 million contract. And all of last year, he struggled. He had career lows of a 230 batting average. His OPS plus was 99, basically exceedingly average. He was an exceedingly average player earning $34 million a year. This year in 2022, no one's talking about his contract. He's already hit 19 home runs. Last year, he hit a total of 20 home runs. We still have two months left of baseball. He's already equaled his home run record from last year. This year's OPS Plus, 126, which is just about in line with what you expect of Francisco Lindor. Everyone was like, oh, it may be the big lights of the New York Mets, of the New York Mets, of the city of New York, because it's so much, the media is so much more unforgiving than they are in Cleveland, this, that, and the other. I don't know what it was, but obviously Francisco Lindor can play really well in Cleveland, and he can also play really well in New York. That had nothing to do with who knows what was going on with him last year. He's back to being Francisco Lindor. They have Max Scherzer, who's an absolute animal, and I had said earlier that, that they're in the, the beginning of the podcast, he's making like $43 million. He's playing, he's pitching so well, nobody's questioning Max Scherzer. is like, oh, he's getting paid a lot of money. Yeah, he is getting paid a lot of money, and he's worth every single cent. The New York Mets all-galaxy pitcher, Jacob deGrom, he's coming back. He played, he pitched against the Washington Nationals last Tuesday on the 2nd of August. I think he went like five or six innings. He went well. The New York Mets are a solidly built team, and really the only humongous question that they have is at the catcher position. Because that is an automatic out right there. And in the playoffs, which the New York Mets will be in the playoffs, the best of the best are going to be ruthless with those New York Mets catchers. Their two catchers are no bueno in the language of Puerto Rico. 
and it's disappointing because you look at, over at the American League, the Houston Astros had that same issue of question marks to the catcher position, but the Houston Astros, the Houston Astros traded for Cristian Vasquez from the Boston Red Sox to take care of that because the Houston Astros have Maldano as an amazing defensive catcher, but he he's a sub-200 batting average for, for, for hitting. And Cristian Vasquez is a lot better than that. And then you look at the Braves, who were, I think, like 10 or 12 games out about a month or two ago. And now they're, now they're about five and a half games behind the Mets. The Braves are going to improve. Second baseman, Ozzy Albies, he's going to return from a broken foot sometime in September. Relief pitcher Kirby Yates, he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's on track to join the team probably in the next week or two at the latest. And maybe relief pitch, relief, relief pitcher, this is my Danish warrior talking, relief pitcher Darren O'Day is going to come back at the end of at the end of September with a playoff push because right now Darren O'Day is rehabbing with the high A Rome Rome Braves and where would the Braves be without third baseman Austin Riley this guy is having an MVP campaign all of July every single hit, every single hit was an extra base I mean, not figuratively, but it seemed that every time he he had he put the ball to the bat, the bat to the ball, he had an extra base hit, and it was it's almost surprising if the the opposing pitcher gets Austin Riley out. This year he has 29 home runs already. His OPS plus is 156. He provides really good defense, and he was just rewarded, just rewarded, with a contract worth. 10 years, $212 million. So he's so Austin Riley is signed through the year 2032. And also, right fielder Ronald Acuna Jr. has not had a good year. That's the big buzz around the Atlanta Braves community that Ronald Acuna, Ronald Acuna Jr., one of the faces of baseball, he missed half of last year and the World Series run because he tore his ACL. He's been back. But I think he tried to push to come back a little too early. And he himself said that some, some days the knee feels fine. Another days the, feel, the, the, knee, the knee doesn't feel fine. He's not playing well. He's not playing well at all. I don't know if he's going to turn that corner this year. I think next year he's going to come out like an absolute rock star and have an MVP season. This year, if he's just above average, that's going to be phenomenal for the Atlanta Braves. Are the Braves going to overtake the New York Mets over the next two years? Next two years. Next two months. I actually think so. The Braves are a lot better than their record, which their record is pretty good. But I think they're better than what they're playing. I think that the Braves take this by a game or two at the very beginning of October. And I mean that the Braves overtake the Mets to to win the National League East Division. Because the last time the Mets finished above the Braves, the last time the New York Mets finished with a better record than the Atlanta Braves was in 2016, six years ago. And that's the last time the New York Mets went to the playoffs when they were a wild card team. It's not going to surprise me at all. Not at all if the New York Mets win the National League East Division and just coast into October as the champions. All this being said, like I like I said, I still think the Braves are going to overtake the New York Mets. And this reminds me of a 1978 film by the by the name of Same Time Next Year. This movie, this movie, this film stars Alan Alda and Ellen Bernstein. 
bursting. Basically, the concept of the of the movie, same time next year, is that Alda and Burstein are married to other people. <laughs> the, both of their their characters are having an affair with each other, but and check this out. In the movie, same time next year, they meet once a year. That's it, just once a year, every year, in a little town in Northern California, for about fifteen to twenty years. Just once a year. And the movie's concept is every scene is five years in the future. So it's not like every year, like, oh, whatever, it's the same thing. No, it's like, so it's the scenes skip every five years of when they're seeing each other. And they're changing through the years, as we all do. I think that the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers have a similar same time next year type of relationship. Because they don't play in the same division. Atlanta and LA are separated by over 2,000 miles, but every single October, the Braves and the Dodgers play <laughs> in the playoffs. The Braves and the Dodgers have played in the playoffs in 2018, 2020, and 2021. The only time they've missed over the past four years that they haven't played in the playoffs is in 2019 because both the Atlanta Braves and the LA Dodgers were upset in the National League Division Series. In 2019, the Braves were upset by the St. Louis Cardinals. And in 2019, the LA Dodgers were upset by Juan Soto, Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, Anthony Rendon, and the rest of the Washington Nationals when the Nationals went on to win the World Series. Other than that, the Braves and the Dodgers would have played four years in a row. And I, in my heart of hearts, I know that the Braves and the Dodgers are going to again play in the National League Championship Series and to decide who goes to the World Series. The Braves and the Dodgers are flirting with rivalries. The Braves flirt with rivalries with the New York Mets. The Dodgers are flirting with a rivalry with the New York Padres, with the San Diego Padres. But ultimately, the Braves and the Dodgers are going to be back together same time next year in October and play another amazing National League Championship Series because over the past four seasons, three postseasons, the Braves have head-to-head, -head, the Braves have won eight games and the Dodgers have won nine games against each other. That's almost coin flip by now. These two teams are evenly matched over the past four years and three postseasons. And the last two World Series champions are, you already know this, the Atlanta Braves in 2021 and the Los Angeles Dodgers in 2020. The World Series runs between Atlanta and Los Angeles. And staying in Southern California, the city of Angeles, the Angels. Did you know, I remember I had a conversation with someone once. I wouldn't say a conversation, but a dispute. Some, a young woman, many, many years ago said, no, LA, you know, it's the city of lights. I, was like, I said, no, 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 no. The city of lights is Paris. Los Angeles is the city of angels, it says it right there in the title. Los Angeles is two Spanish words. Los, which is plural for the. Angeles, Angeles, which is Spanish for angeles, angels. The, plural, angels. How in the world would you call, why in the world would you call Los Angeles the city of lights when it's actually Los Angeles, the city of angels? Anyways. We're not going to go back into a time machine having another dispute with some with, with a dummy because we're going to have because we're going to close out the podcast 
with a beautiful remembrance of an amazing person who ended out his days in Southern, in the sunshine, the beautiful city of Los Angeles. Los Angeles. You want to give a quick tribute. You want to give a tribute to Vin Scully, who was the legendary Brooklyn Dodgers and later Los Angeles Dodgers announcer for 67 years. He actually retired of being the Los Angeles Dodgers announcer in 2016 at the young, young age of 88. Unfortunately, Mr. Scully passed away just last week on the 2nd of August at the age of 94. Vince Scully started announcing baseball when Harry S. Truman was president of the United States. I, that's like saying, oh, my grandfather saw Abraham Lincoln. It is so far away, it's almost unfathomable. Vince Scully started announcing baseball when Truman was president, when there were no black players allowed in Major League Baseball, and there were like three Latin players in Major League Baseball, and there were no Asian players in Major League Baseball. I used to watch LA Dodgers baseball games on the MLB Network, probably starting about 10, eight years ago, I don't remember. And I loved his voice, and I loved the stories he had to watch. And I do have to admit, I would always watch when I would always watch the LA Dodgers games on MLB Network, especially when Clayton Kershaw pitched. And the Dodgers honored him just a few days ago, back on back on Friday, back on the fifth of August, at home against obviously this very defining series against the San Diego Padres. They played a video tribute to Vince Scully. Dave Roberts, the manager of the of the LA Dodgers, spoke some words about Vince Scully, and later he also said, "quote He was one of the greatest." if not the greatest Dodger of all time, end quote. Which is saying a lot because Jackie Robinson <laughs> was a Brooklyn Dodger. But again, Vince Scully is, is one of the greatest announcers of all time. The Dodgers have their press box named after Vince Scully. It's called the Vince Scully Press Box. Dodger Stadium is located on Vince Scully Avenue. During the tributes, they had flowers outside the stadium for Vince Scully. Check this out. Vince Scully graduated from Fordham University in New York, and a few months later, he was hired by the Brooklyn Dodgers. Can you imagine being a 21, 22, 23-year-old young man and the local baseball team, wherever you live, says, hey, we want you to come and join the team. He wasn't the announcer initially when he graduated when he, from Fordham University. It took him like two or three years, but that's incredibly quick to be, to be a young whippersnapper, as they would say back then. To then three years later, being the vo- being 25, 26 years old, being the voice of the Brooklyn Dodgers, being the voice of your favorite baseball team. That's amazing. And what I loved, I really, really loved this touching tribute that the Dodgers had to, for Vince Scully. They had, like I said, they had flowers, they had balloons, they had t-shirts everywhere. And there was also a sign in the stadium that said, quote, God acquires Vince Scully from the Los Angeles Dodgers, end quote. That's beautiful. And it's also beautiful, and I'm always appreciative of all of our loyal listeners, and I always like to welcome new listeners to the podcast. I want to thank our new listeners from Minsk, Belarus, Newton Moore, Scotland, Georgetown, Guyana, Baytown, Texas, Chino, California, and Bowie, Maryland. 
I want to thank everyone for listening when I talk about baseball, drinks, America's finest city, and everything else under the sun. Subscribe to the podcast for the low, low price of free. Check out my drink on our social media accounts, and let's get together next week for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.